welcome to a new episode of Design Cafe, a podcast where we have mindful, candid conversations for designers in tech. This season, we're going to cover a lot of difficult but important topics like the challenges of career growth, toxicity at work, mental health and diversity, equity and inclusion. These are topics that maybe don't get talked about as often as we like, but they no less impact us all as designers. I'm your co-host Susan. And I'm your co-host Sandrine. If you like our podcast, please follow and rate us on your podcast platform. You can follow us on Twitter, where we are at Design Cafe, and LinkedIn, where we are Design Cafe. Our website is designcafe.com, which includes a link to our Buy Me A Coffee page as well, in case you want to buy us a coffee to help support our podcast. All right, this week we are going to continue with our heavy, heavy topics and uh, and talk about nepotism and other traits uh, or signs of a uh, toxic workplace or a toxic uh, environment. So it could be that your team is toxic or the whole company is toxic. Toxicity in the workplace, basically. Sandrine, what are some common signs of a toxic work environment in your opinion this is a hard one because i think it's not always very obvious i mean for me usually i get a sense it's like your your spider tingling sense (laughs) starts to like (laughs) fire up and for me usually that is my first indication that this is something a little bit off about um, a workplace or a group of people and I think sometimes we tend to ignore that, uh, I get that body reaction, that intuition that kind of tells you something. And I don't think we should dismiss it um, because often there's something about it that gives you an inkling that you might want to dig a little bit deeper before you accept a job somewhere, for example, if you have that feeling. Anyway, signs that a workplace is toxic. I think it can come in several ways. I think... Often I would kind of look at the value system, I guess, of a workplace and kind of like, what do they reward? Yeah, what do they tend to kind of reward, I guess? And kind of closely pay attention to what kind of individuals do they actually value and promote, I guess? And what kind of behaviors do these individuals also tend to have? I find that often in a toxic environment, you would see a lot of people get away with not being really kind to others and then we kind of get through and get promoted by yeah sometimes walking over other people's feet for example um so i guess like usually there's kind of a sort of like that behavior is usually accepted sometimes it's rewarded because you see these people kind of being promoted and being talked about more and and obviously like just by doing that you you are promoting those individuals and this this kind of like a bit of a fueling engine i guess around that so i think that's for me that's one of the signs and then just generally i think it's also kind of general behaviors from people to one another like are people being empathetic and kind to each other um, what's the use of gossip around the workplace? You know, um, how do people use their downtime within when they're with each other? How do people react to challenges? What's the psychological safety in the team? I think all of these things are really important to detect whether 
that workplace is a safe space. And I usually pay quite close attention to them. And if there are some signs in there that look a little bit off to me, then I might be a bit cautious. What about you? How do you how do you spot a toxic workplace? I agree with all of them. I think the the tricky thing with toxic workplaces or toxic environments is is that it's not one very explicit obvious thing as you as you say it's not and that's why I, I suppose that's where the term comes from as well that when something is toxic it's almost like this you know invisible gas that permeates an environment <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> rather, than, <laughs> rather than that's how I think about it um, so it's very subtle and it's for me it's uh, an aggregate of of lots of things um yeah all the things you mentioned gossip and um the the value structures and um favoritism as well like especially and the kind of behaviors that get promoted we we mentioned nepotism in the beginning or it could just be you know a certain type of person gets promoted to add to all of this a big sign of toxicity in the workplace for me is also lack of trust and lack of transparency and open communication. I see it often when um, a lot of stuff gets talked about in like secret channels or private channels and you know it could be actual like slack channels but also you know when small when there are cliques. Um, yes! When, <laughs> <laughs> and and of course, like every every place has an element of gossip. You mentioned gossip, and I I think there's an overlap between gossip and toxicity. But I think there's there's also an element of like healthy gossip. I think which you know, I don't think gossip in and of itself means that a, a, a workplace is toxic. Like you know, we're we're humans and we're interested in other humans. So not gossip in and of itself. But when gossip gets very gossip gets toxic when it's like very cliquey and very yeah, kind of you form these groups and you talk about another group as in like an out group and you're in group and 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 all of these things um yeah I, I i see it often when for example between departmental lines and this happens often when you don't work in cross-functional teams um and you'll have for example uh, uh, i don't know banal example but you'll have the design team just talking shit about the developers. All the developers are bad. It's always their fault or, you know, uh, or vice versa. All the developers are kind of shitting. Like it's, yeah, it just feels very like high school. <laughs> and you're not, you're not open about uh, these, these conversations. They don't happen in the open. They happen in these kind of um, little groups. So there's little trust between people, little transparency in communication. So those, those are some of the things. And then, with low trust, I also observe a lot of micromanagement, you know, when when people... Well, I think micromanagement happens for a bunch of reasons. One of the reasons is that um, people don't trust each other uh, in an organization, and that can be a sign of toxicity as well. When you have managers who need to check all the work, all the work needs to go through them uh, b before it gets approved, and there's low autonomy and all of that stuff. So um, all this to say, I don't think if you see any one of these things in the workplace it's definitely a toxic workplace but it's sort of if if a lot of these signs that we list and mention here if a lot of them are consistent traits or behavior in the workplace um there's there's a higher probability that you're in a toxic workplace yeah i mean as we're talking through them i, I have tons more signs that come to mind i think you've touched a bit on on that but for me the lack of emotional intelligence in toxic workplaces is, is real like you meet some 
and you would tend to see a lot of individuals that are very self-entitled. Um, they just have such lack of awareness around how their behaviors impact others. And they're just not, they really struggle to take a step back and reflect on how when they're facing challenges, it's they put the blame on others right away. And they feel like it's not their problem to address things when actually, well, if you have a conflict at work, it's extremely likely that you have your share <laughs> to take in, in accountability. And I find that <clears throat> often in toxic environments, there will be a, a, a culture of blaming as opposed to a culture of accountability. And that for me is an absolute no-go. Because um, you don't get anywhere like that. You can spend, as you said, it feels like high school. But like, but that's what she said. That's what he said. <laughs> it's like, okay, can we can we actually take a step back, figure out what's not working and move on? And I find that sometimes some people have that inability of doing this. I think you've also mentioned the cliques and inner groups. And I think that's also is a huge part of toxic environments that sometimes you just feel like you're not included. Um, they are extremely non-inclusive. Obviously, that's the whole point of them. And they can be extremely damaging for your confidence. Um, you might really have a feeling of stagnation in your role just because you just don't even know how to get inside that group. That group does not want to let you in. Sometimes it might be based on discrimination. Sometimes it's just based on favoritism. <laughs> it really depends. Uh, all clicks are a little bit different, but they are so nasty. Um, and there are some individuals that will come in and create clicks and they will bring in their friends without really structured recruitment process and vetting process for these individuals. And oh boy, things can go really wrong from there. Um, but yeah, I think one last thing for me as well, often there's an intensity around work, toxic workplaces. And often it's an intensity that sticks with you. For me, one of the thing when I've had the misfortune of experiencing a toxic workplace was that feeling of dread on Sunday evening at the idea of going back to work. And it's, it's, I thought I was the only one experiencing it. And I've asked my colleagues and I mean, almost everyone knew what I was talking about. Like for me, it was that sense of dread of like just hearing Slack or, or, or just my email sounds on the weekend would freak me out. Like, it's just really weird. It's like, I actually used to turn my volume down on my laptop just because I did not want to hear any kind of related sounds to that would make me think of work. And I would just tuck away my work laptop away, even though I would be thinking about work throughout the weekend, because that's also one of the things that it kind of invades your thoughts sometimes because there's so much intensity around the workplace. And yeah, that sense of dread was quite real. And I feel like you, that's when you start giving in more as well to work, but not in a very sustainable way. Like it starts eating into your life balance. Like, and I think for me yeah, in toxic workplaces, sometimes you, you can get that going into like all work type of unbalanced approach. So yeah. Yeah, I completely recognize myself in, I used to call it uh my Sunday afternoon dread yeah. <laughs> and it was so horrible because you're supposed to get two whole days for your weekend but then I felt like you know toxic work environments which is steal a quarter of my weekend away because I just um yeah spend Sunday afternoon dreading it and I think that's a that's a very good shout it's um it's a 
common side effect that or yeah a sign basically that you're in a toxic workplace when work impacts your mind space in such a negative way there there i i have healthy ways of thinking about work outside of work which is when i'm working on a really interesting design challenge and maybe it's the evening or whatever and i'm thinking through it and so, so i'm not saying if you think about work outside of work it's a it's a toxic thing but if it overwhelms you with that dread uh, as i like to call it then yeah it could be it could be some toxic toxicity reasons why why you're in that situation <laughs> as is evident there are lots of lots of different things that can make a workplace toxic um we've singled out sort of nepotism and favoritism and and kind of a biased approach to promoting people, I suppose, and, and hiring people, uh, just to have a bit of a focus around this, because there there's, of course, so many things around toxicity we could talk about. Can we dig into that? Why is nepotism particularly toxic? And, and do you think it's prevalent? I don't know if it's that common. I haven't seen it in every single workplace, thankfully. But, and don't get me wrong, there's a thing of like wanting to want to work with someone that you've loved working with again. Like, I totally get that. And it's it's amazing when it happens. And that's why, you know, there's referral um, processes in companies because, you know, obviously great people want to work with great people. So yeah, it's, I completely support that. And I refer ex-colleagues myself as well. So I think there's it's important to make a distinction, obviously that, you know, it's not because you you will refer a friend or a colleague that you've loved working with that you're going to be doing nepotism. <laughs> I think it really like becomes toxic and bad when you are first bypassing and dismissing the usual recruitment process to bring people in. And usually you would be in a more senior position to be able to do that. Usually you'd be a hiring manager and not really involving the team. So not actually letting, like normally when you refer a person normally you should actually not be part of the recruitment process because you're extremely biased like obviously you're going to want that person to to join in you know them you're going to get a bonus when they join in and so forth like yeah so normally you should not have any involvement at all in the decision process of hiring them and yeah i find that in the case of nepotism often that gets bypassed and then actually the team doesn't get to have a say over who joins the team and that's when things start to get a little bit tricky because how does the team know that that individual first meets the standards that the team has you know um decided to abide to um usually teams put a lot of like work into what is the standard they want to meet so first of all, they can't tell if that individual is actually going to meet that standard. Unfortunately, I've seen some people getting hired through Nebesim that actually completely lowered that standard. And it was quite distressful for the team, actually, and frustrating. And also, they can't vet them from a values system as well. So many workplaces obviously have company culture, values, and all of that. And part of the hiring process is making sure that that person looks at least, you know, has similar value system to you and the rest of your colleagues and that you are willing to work in the same way. Like there's different ways of working and different ways of interacting with other people. And like, obviously it's up to you to choose a workplace that reflects your value system or at least matches what you like uh, for yourself. And that's the problem as well with nepotism is you don't get to check that and actually say, well, you know what, I just don't think this person 
would be good for these reasons. And the problem is then that they join the team. And often that's when the click starts to also kind of build up because obviously these people, they already know someone there. So, you know, normal human behavior is to stick with people you know at first, especially. And yeah, I mean, usually, I at least I found that nepotism and cliques kind of used to come hand in hand. Um, and that's also obviously a problem. So yeah, I, I have such a complicated relationship to not nepotism in and of itself. That's a, that's a pretty straightforward relationship. But to like the whole referral system, I'm not I'm not completely against it. I think I just think you need to be really, really careful when you have a referral system yeah because because you exactly want to avoid all the really bad and toxic parts of nepotism i think what's tricky when you're in an environment where there are clear favorites there are clear mates and friends of um, people in leadership who've been hired because of some pre-existing relationship is well there are lots of problems one is that it i think it very often diminishes morale amongst other people who didn't have that pre-existing relationship because you're sort of thinking you observe that that certain these certain people are almost like untouchable uh like oh don't you know don't don't give bad performance feedback to this person because oh they're they're best friends with the whoever person in power or you feel like no matter how well you perform you feel like this other person's going to be promoted like before you uh so it's sort of a bit bit like futile however while you perform like you're not being treated equally and then another big problem with this and i think it's uh, uh, i I suppose it depends on how lucky slash unlucky you are when you're in a place where there has been some nepotism but in my experience it's it's been quite a few times i've seen people who I I perceive to have been hired because of some pre-existing relationship or favoritism and they're just not good at their jobs. They're just not not good (laughs) at their jobs. So in addition to all of the things that I mentioned, like all the, you know, the problems with bias, the problems with favoritism, the problems with being, feeling like you're not being treated fairly and, and all of that. On top of all of this, you're dealing with this incompetent person. And that is so frustrating. This incompetent person, you feel like, it is being treated in a different uh, way than yourself. So, um, yeah, that that's so such a huge problem uh, for me, and um, it, it it leads to it leads to a lot of frustration, um, and uh, definitely fuels that Sunday dread uh, we mentioned earlier. Yeah, and it's it it creates a feeling of it's not fair, like in the sense that you have been your performance has been judged over a certain set of standards and yet that person isn't. And it's like, okay, but then why do we have, why are we being judged on two different standards? Which one is the correct one? And why do they get away with having a low standard, a lower standard to me and you don't? Like, you know, it's like, it's just not fair. Um, and that that goes back to what I was saying around the fact that, yeah, you can't, the team sets up a standard for themselves and if they can't vet new joiners on that one, then yeah, as you say, it creates tons of frustration because first you have to deal with the incompetence and then also like it's, it just feels like your your team is, is losing its ability to also deliver on what is 
on on its objectives and and, and so forth. So it's very frustrating. And and to add to what you mentioned about how nepotism and cliques go hand in hand as well, I find it very again frustrating and problematic when you when you're sort of on the sidelines of this favoritism relationship and you see and you see I don't know a leader for example who's hired their friend or family member in that they because they have a pre-existing relationship they go off and and like I don't know socialize together and things outside of work I'm not saying don't be friends with your coworkers. like that's normal that's natural but you just get the sense that the the kind of old very old school classic uh, inside group, outside group metaphor that comes to mind for me is uh, that there's this boys club that I'm not invited into, and and it's not just a pure friendship or whatever, but that's that um, interesting work related conversations happen in that group that I am not part of because of because I don't just don't belong in that group, and then that becomes a problem as well. Like they they form their own clique and um, maybe the favorited person gets insight from around the business that the rest of the company or the rest of the team doesn't get insight into because we don't have that close relationship to the person in power or you know there's there's a good book called Brotopia by a Bloomberg journalist or reporter uh, Emily Chang where she talks about um, well women in Silicon Valley and, and the bro culture in Silicon Valley and how a lot of the after work socializing in Silicon Valley or, you know, some toxic tech industries, they happen where all the men work, for example, or all the men will go to like their boys clubs, essentially, and then women are left out. And then the people who are in the spaces that matter, they get promoted because they the conversations happen there, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's, it's similar uh, vibes I get from, yeah, these uh, nep nepotistic I don't know relationships as well so it just adds to it adds the pile of problems around all of this yeah absolutely I agree I was wondering as well Susan if you've I find that toxic workplaces would often be a place kind of favoriting abuse or at least allowing it to happen as well and I'm wondering if you've experience that in toxic workplaces where you've um where you've worked not not necessarily having experienced the abuse yourself but having seen it happening around you and how do you think it contributes to obviously just creating even further toxicity across the business yeah i i think when you're in a toxic workplace there are these very unacceptable behaviors that become accepted but but they're not accepted from everyone it's it i've I've observed that the threat the threshold for unacceptable behaviors can i is that a correct way of putting it i don't know that that certain people especially people in power in the workplace get away with very abusive and unacceptable behaviors that other people as regular <laughs> regular people wouldn't get away with and it goes into this yeah well one it's completely unacceptable behavior to be abusive in a workplace like shouting at people um just being very inappropriate um saying quite emotionally damaging things and you know being quite not understanding what constructive criticism is versus like actual inappropriate abuse and 
I find that I don't know. I I can't. This is this this is a tricky topic for me to talk about because it's so hard to. I'm a bit. I try to like find reasons for everything, but I don't understand why certain shitty behaviors get accepted by certain people in the workplace that totally would not be accepted by other um, from from other people. I just can't. I just don't understand. And is it because? that person who's in inappropriate abusive behavior that person has so much power in the organization is it because they're again best friends with the ceo is it like wh- where does it come from but I, i have definitely observed really shitty abusive behavior that get excused by other people as oh that's just that person they're such a character <laughs> you know it's like that's their personality and it's just like that's abusive behavior is not a personality trait that's that's abuse (laughs) (laughs) i I like that (laughs) yeah i agree i I feel like sometimes i'm wondering if it's not just that it's it's accepted for them i find with these people i just like you i wonder how how the hell do they manage to get away with this kind of stuff and often i feel it's because and i think we've seen it with some politicians doing absolutely egregious things where they do a thing and you're like oh yeah that's really bad and then they do another bad thing and you're like that's really really bad and then they do another thing that is even worse and it goes crescendo but somehow we never say stop or like we never really and I feel like it's it's almost like that silence agreement that it's just going to happen and it's just going to be a status quo from now on that that person is going to behave like that and I think that's why having a strong workplace value system is super important and having also guardians of it in a way of like actually just having a a way to maybe just flag and really heavily report when these kind of things happen and understand why like is this just something that that person has really acted out of normal or is that their normal for them and kind of yeah but I agree some people get away with things that you're like I would never behave like that. Why do they think it's okay to behave that way? And I think it's actually because sometimes we, weirdly, it's almost like we just give them permission by not doing anything about it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And and there's this culture of fear, I suppose, as well, where if, if, you're, already, well, yeah. Yeah, if you're already in a toxic workplace, then you might have this fear that by calling out someone, especially if that person is very senior or in a position of power and, and influence, that if you call them out, then you will be punished. And it, again, if you are in a toxic workplace, you might just, might well be punished. And so people are just quiet about it and, and don't speak up. And that's, yeah, that's just quite horrible. Yeah, I think the, you know, they say like, you either lead by inspiring or you lead by fear. Mm. And... I think there's a big thing that in toxic workplaces, often you would have leaders that really love inspiring fears in others. <laughs> and I don't know, I guess it just gives you a sense of, of power over people. But it's, uh, it's if you see a leader that kind of values that kind of leadership, it's often a massive red flag because it means that they, they're not trying to lead to, to give direction to people, to achieve a common goal they're just trying to use people to get somewhere for themselves yeah. often if that makes sense yeah yeah i have i have definitely observed that and it's 
Oh, it's quite uncomfortable and fascinating to see leaders literally say things like, if this situation happens, then bad things will happen to you. <laughs> and they're just like, they're kind of like dangling this hinting at this punishment that will happen. Yeah, I don't know if you if you follow a route that they they don't want speaking in, in code, but I've, I've seen it happen and it's it's quite scary. It's um, it's a pretty toxic leadership style. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> Well, again, to add to all of this, this bucket list of things that make uh, make a workplace a, <laughs> a toxic Getting workplace. Very long. Yeah. Um, one thing that comes up a lot when you talk about toxic workplaces is gaslighting. What are your yeah? What what are your musings or reflections around gaslighting in the workplace? Yeah, I think that one is really tricky because, again, it's it's hard because I think some people are just heavily in denial over what's happening around them. Also, I think some people just um, generally just are unable to recognize toxic environments when they're in one is because they just generally just have experience of toxic environments even outside of work as well. So that's also something quite real where some people don't even realize what's going on. And you might actually set, see themselves gaslighting themselves almost of like just completely downgrading and denying everything happening um, and changing their perception of reality for themselves over over what's what is actually going on yeah I, I find that usually what I struggle with is that there are some people that are supposed to be there as a support system like you know management and all that are really supposed to be a support and they are here to listen and resolve problems with um, their reports and sometimes if if they start doing gaslighting themselves, that's when things get really tricky for people because they're like, hold on, I'm observing all these things. This is what my reality is at work. But I have this person telling me that I'm seeing things and that's not actually what happened or I must, mis I must have misinterpreted what that person said. Or And I think, you know, sometimes it's fine. Like, like it's fine <laughs> I mean it's fine in the sense that it's not always uh, good to always immediately think that that person is gaslighting you sometimes they might be trying to help you take a, a step back and reflect a bit around why do you think this thing happened that way you know maybe that person actually didn't mean that maybe you know have you considered that it could be xyz instead and you can have a conversation about it that is genuine and really trying to help you unblock why you feel that way but then there's also um a line of just that person being straight denying what you're experiencing and invalidating your experience and just telling you you must be wrong because this is actually what happened you know what I mean and I think this puts you in a lot of distress because then you're like that's when you really start questioning whether you're going a bit crazy and whether it's you whether it's you know what I mean and that's such a shame when you're pointing at something bad or negative that's happening in the workplace and you're you're feeling like your experience is being dismissed and and you start self-blaming uh yourself mm -hmm. that uh, that's that's quite bad just just in the long term as well that you kind of yeah you start questioning your reality and and start pointing the blame on yourself when actually it, it is it is the environment and what I find tricky about gaslighting is when leaders or managers or whatever try to convince someone that everything's fine, that, you know, this problem that you've identified isn't a real problem. You don't know if they are 
gaslighting out of ill intent or malice or if they genuinely believe it themselves and i don't know what's scarier that they they have bad <laughs> intent or if they just cannot see the problem that is being highlighted or if they're just so yeah if they're just so in denial and it's really scary i've observed these things my, myself and it's just i don't know i even if i don't feel like someone is explicitly gaslighting me like no one's explicitly telling me susan what what you're highlighting it's it's not true or you're just imagining things even even if no one explicitly says that if they i feel like they're still implicitly i get this vibe from people who are doing this gaslighting thing where they constantly say oh everything's wonderful here everything's so great everything's so positive and it's this almost like overly positive toxic positivity toxic positivity <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a thing <laughs> it's like if if i say it often enough times i will convince myself and my team that everything is wonderful and everything is great and the problem doesn't exist and yeah it's it's so nuanced and so multifaceted but it's a really for me personally it's it's such a scary situation to be in because you're just like what what's what is reality here i don't i don't know what's happening i'm very very confused yeah and that makes you really feel alone like you just you don't really know what, you, what your frame of reference is anymore in that place like what you can trust and that yeah that's when you start questioning am i just having the wrong approach on this or is there really a problem and it can get quite nasty and it's I mean, it, it, it's pretty depressing, to be honest, when it happens to you. I think with toxic positivity, I think it's it might be a slightly different beast. I feel like sometimes with gaslighting, it's often, it's sometimes really used as a tool to manipulate or at mm. least really like kind of discard when people come up with discomfort and raising problems that might lead to change a situation that benefits someone. And and that's when I'm quite a bit uncomfortable around, yeah, around that. I think toxic positivity is someone who's clearly has an inability to accept that they will have to deal with some kind of negative emotion at some point, <laughs> and that it's a part of their journey to to do that, and and that there is a line between being over negative and not not seeing a way forwards and being completely blinded and being an ostrich and completely ignoring that there are things that you must address in order to carry on in a in a in a way that is positive for you actually so so i think they're a little bit different yeah from my perspective yeah. yeah it's it's quite nuanced um for sure well to to add to all of this complexity it also brings to mind for me how a, a sign of toxicity for me is when the people in the work environment who seem to think or convince everyone of how everything is wonderful and fine tend to be people in positions of power and privilege. So it could be people who are, you know, been hired because because of favoritism and nepotism and they're quite comfortable quite comfortable in that position or they could be people with a lot of inherent privilege. So men white men and it could very well <laughs> it could very well be that that everything does seem wonderful and great from their perspective but then you have other people who don't have power and don't have that privilege in the workplace and 
their perspectives matter as well and their lived experience matters as well and it's this for it, this inability for people in positions and power and privilege to take to have empathy basically to understand that yes maybe everything is wonderful for you in this organization maybe you're getting all the promotions maybe you're getting all the reward and the recognition but then there are other people not in your position for all the reasons we've mentioned who who have a completely different experience and I think a lot of this is not just a workplace thing this is a society thing but for those people in in positions of power and privilege to acknowledge that they also have to give up some of their power and privilege and live with that discomfort and I can understand how that's difficult like if I had if I was in a wonderfully privileged position why would I why would I give that up um well, I'd give it up because that's the right thing to do. <laughs> but but you sort of, yeah, there's this, you know, when, when you have certain people in an environment with more comfort than others for unfair reasons, um, it's it's that imbalance, um, imbalance of, of power and privilege that becomes a problem as well. And it ties into everything we talked about, like the nepotism and the, and the, yeah, just lack of, lack of empathy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, sometimes I've also seen these kind of leaders just only promoting what is making it easier for them or building a little world that they picture. And sometimes they would be looking for particular characteristic in people that they, and they would favor people that benefits them. And, you know, sometimes it's quite sad, but they will favor people not because they're doing really good at what they do, but just because well, that person doesn't raise their voice very often against them, for example. So that makes it, you know, like it's things like that that benefits them. And I feel like it's a shame because it doesn't, well, first of all, it does not help that person per se because that person is missing out on actually improving their, their work quality and they're being sometimes promoted to positions that they're not ready for. And also I think it's, again, you know, it's it makes the, working on the the standards and the quality of work through the, the team and the function even harder and and it just demoralizes everyone else who doesn't actually match that profile and then you're facing a a reality of like so either i comply but i lose a part of who i am by complying because you know you might not identify with those values or what's left for you basically you have no future otherwise in that in that place and you know it's fine for some people we have um fortunately some of us have the choice to be able to find a job somewhere else but not not everyone has that luxury so you can feel really trapped i think when that happens to you and you don't have the the leisure of going somewhere else basically it's it's the problem of homogenous groups <laughs> like if you if you just hire or promote people with who share the same values and backgrounds and similarities yeah. like as you then yes if you're all similar then of course it's going to be easier for you to work because you'll all agree and, and pat each other on the back but it doesn't make it, it makes the work worse because you're all the same uh, or yeah you you know there's there's discomfort but intellectual rigor in in hiring people or promoting people into a group that that has different values and and cha- and, and is able to challenge you basically but it's it's uncomfortable i know this is it's 
very psychological <laughs> all of this I, I, I can so I think it's because I can sort of understand why these things happen from a human perspective like I can understand why it's like oh I just want to work with people like me I, w- I just want to work with my best friends and we're gonna you know it's gonna be wonderful and lovely but it's not good like it's not for the greater good yeah I mean and don't get me wrong there's like wanting to work with your best friend and I completely get that because I also wanted to work with my best friend <laughs> But there's also being like, I only want to work with my best friend and people who look like or benefit me and my best friend. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, I feel like, like sometimes I feel like we we spend a lot of time excusing people's behaviors because it's like, oh, there must be a reason why they're behaving this way. Maybe they had a really hard day. Maybe they've had a really hard life. <laughs> you know, like, and yes, like, don't get me wrong. I think sometimes when I when I see people with shitty behavior i'm actually wondering what did you go through to be this way <laughs> like what made you this way Were that's you dropped off on the head as a kid <laughs> <laughs> like it's always like who was so mean to you that you you are mean like that to others you know like but it still doesn't excuse i think at some point you have to stop the circle of abuse and and of bad behavior like it has to start with you like if you always excuse yourself or be like, oh, well, people have been shitty to me or I've had a really tough time entering the industry, so I'm going to make it extra hard for others too. It's like you're just carrying on that cycle and it's it's just a vicious circle and someone has to just be like, no, like it has to, we have to do better and it has to be a kinder system for others. And I feel like some people just don't really think that way. Because it's, well, it's, uncomfortable i mean no yeah it is uncomfortable <laughs> it requires some element of personal growth yeah and, and accountability accountability yeah. is the key in this as well as you mentioned earlier yep all right so what can one do if you're <laughs> <laughs> what do you do if you're in a toxic environment i mean my first advice is to run away <laughs> yep if you can honestly like Honestly, I, I don't know if one person has it in them to, to change an entire system. What I find discouraging with work environments that are toxic is it's not just down to one individual. It's it's a whole system that has to be dismantled. And it takes a lot of willingness and and power as well to, to achieve that. Like if you are at a lower level, like if you're not even management or leadership position, like Honestly, it's going to be very hard for you to change and shift the culture around you because you will still have individuals that will still be carrying on and 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 doing what they're doing with no no real issue happening to them basically. So so yeah, I think that will kind of be my advice. Sometimes I think we just we just stick around hoping that things will get better when I mean, sometimes actually we do have the option to to seek a better environment for ourselves and actually learn to recognize what makes a toxic environment so you can better spot them when you're interviewing and all of that. Um, I think that's also majorly important to recognize what is a healthy environment, what makes psychological safety in the team. How can you recognize that? Like, you know, identifying that in interviews is super important. Yeah, I, I agree with that. If you, if you can, the best thing for your mental health is to run away and have some sort of um, exit strategy, especially if the toxicity is company-wide like it's the whole system as you say that's the problem 
I think they're they're they're. I mean, we're now we're talking about toxic environments and not like toxic individuals. But then there's there are smaller yeah. scales of toxicity where there could be one or two people who are very toxic, but the company in general is um, is healthy in comparison. And when you have smaller scales of toxicity, I think some things you can do is find allies or you can try and lead by example and you know try and exhibit if it's for example one team member in your immediate team who's who's quite toxic and is spreading toxicity then you can try and lead by example and and uh, spread the good values rather than rather than let the toxic values permeate um or you can ask to change teams if you're in a large large enough organization and there's you know one or yeah. two toxic people in your team you can ask to yeah ask to change teams that that works as well yeah or you can also try to give feedback to that person um you know some people act in toxic manners and sometimes they actually just are utterly unaware <laughs> of it sometimes you know if it's just down to one individual you, you know it might actually be easier to try to f give them feedback in a manner that they can listen to or, or actually give feedback to their manager so they can also try to help that person grow in that in that respect otherwise as you said yeah changing team is always a good a good option um if that's possible and document things <laughs> that's a very it's a, it's a mm. practical advice but if you even if it's uh, not you directly is impacted but if you observe toxic behavior do document things you know you have a people department for a reason it just it makes it easier to not be gaslit as well if you have proof <laughs> yeah absolutely all right we opened up this can of worms is a it's a it's a tricky touchy nuanced difficult topic to talk about but quite important i think so we talked about common signs of toxic work environments um especially around like nepotism and favoritism but also just you know sh shitty behavior in the workplace that get accepted for various reasons uh, and we also talked about some ways you can mitigate toxicity hope you found this conversation helpful mindful mindful is not the right word <laughs> therapeutic cathartic i don't know I, I suppose it was a bit cathartic for us it was yeah <laughs> <laughs> um if you like our podcast you can follow us on twitter where we are design cafe we are design cafe on linkedin and our website is designcafe.com thank you so much for listening and see you in two weeks